You're listening to Strong Runner Chick Radio, episode 29. Welcome to Strong Runner Chick Radio, a leading online community where our goal is to educate, empower, and connect female distance runners across the world. We believe in healthy running, fueling, and embracing our strength as female distance runners inside and out. Through interviews with top professional, collegiate, and master's level runners, leading dietitians, coaches, sports psychologists, and runners of all shapes and sizes, we hope to spread the message that there is no one-size-fits-all approach to distance running. Now, let's get to the show. But before we get to the show, it's Megan here, and I want to give you an update on our SRC retreat. It's happening next month, May 29th through June 1st, in the beautiful Boulder, Colorado mountains. It'll take place with some incredible women. We have a special guest lineup. We have discussions planned each day, hands-on workshops, food and cooking demonstrations, and organized trail runs. So this will really be an event that you do not want to miss. We may not have another retreat. This might be our only one. We hope to host some in the future, but no plans as of now. So sign up while you can. If you'd like, you can invite a friend or a teammate or even your own mom. So if you do sign up with another person, you can get a $50 discount on registration. Just shoot us an email, strongrunnerchicks at gmail com and we can get you more info regarding the discount and or answer any questions that you have. We hope that you will consider signing up. It's really going to be a fun experience. And even if you can't, just follow along at Strong Run Chicks on Instagram. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hey, Strong Runner Chicks. Welcome to another episode of Strong Runner Chick Radio. Today we have with us Lauren Ross, who is a registered dietitian and friend of Kelsey that we are so excited to have with us. Welcome, Lauren. Thank you. I am literally so excited to have Lauren on the show. So Lauren and I went to high school and university together, and she totally took me under her wing um, when we did ski team together. So I feel so much joy being able to see Lauren's face again and speak with her in person because usually it's via text or some other, you know, internet service or however you want to say it. So um, let me take a moment and introduce Lauren to the podcast. Um, So Lauren was born and raised in Wilbraham, Massachusetts. She graduated with her bachelor's degree in human nutrition from the University of Massachusetts at Amherst, where an awesome campus dining experience grew her love to eating a nutritious diet full of fresh, local foods into more than just an interest. And really, we had the best fresh local foods at UMass. It was unreal. Um, She went on to complete her dietetic internship with a community nutrition focus at Tulane University in New Orleans, Louisiana. Lauren works with the executive chefs to implement healthy food options into menus, counsel students, faculty and staff and develops programming to help you learn to love to eat healthy as well. Um, in addition to that, Lauren is a badass runner, so we have to toss that in there as well. <laughs> oh, thank you, Kelsey. Oh, you're so welcome. <laughs> um, so Lauren, how did you actually get your start in running? Um, well, it was at UMass actually. So Kelsey and I actually know each other from skiing. So we were on the ski team together in high school and that was really my main sport growing up. I mean, I just loved it being outside and 
I mean, growing up in New England, everybody in Texas, which is where I live now, is always like, oh my gosh, the winter must be terrible. But like, as long as you have something to do outside during the winter, the winter is awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we skied together. I actually skied not my freshman and sophomore year, but my junior and senior year at UMass. Um, but I liked to keep active and the first couple years I was living on campus, they were still building the beautiful new gym that Kelsey got to have starting day one. Yes, I did. (laughs) Um, but, uh, so I went outside to run and it's just a beautiful part of the country there. Um, so getting outside to exercise was really nice and a nice change of pace from being inside at the gym. And that's kind of really how it all started. Just like fitness and a way to go outside. Mm -hmm. And I can actually even remember in high school, there were times where, I don't know if it was during your lunch or at some point you were on the elliptical and I can remember, yeah. yeah, And I can remember you saying to me, I did like seven miles on the elliptical. I was like, whoa, like that's insane. Cause I hadn't even started my running. Like at that point in time, I was like, that is amazing. Like, I can't believe she went that far. Yeah, so I broke my thumb senior year of high school skiing, which is, like, so stupid. Like, your thumb, right? Long story. But anyway, I couldn't play volleyball, so they had me go to the weight room at gym instead. So I, like, got really competitive with myself um, on the elliptical, which Mm -hmm. I would, like – I had – uh, lunch right after and I would show up like covered in sweat and disgusting because I just yeah. got really into it. <laughs> yeah that was I, I don't even know if we had treadmills in there but that was before I got into running and I don't think anybody gets into running on the treadmill that is just a not yeah. not the best not fun. I can actually remember it's funny I'm gonna sidetrack I can remember cutting that glove for you on the bus on the way to our races so oh yeah you you're like little cast into that glove Oh, oh my gosh, really that was cold, so funny. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was freezing. You're like, uh, I'm, and I remember you. Um, so you went to UMass Amherst, um, and what was your desire to become a registered dietitian? I actually didn't really want to become a dietitian. I like don't know if I even want to be a dietitian now, um, but I knew I wanted to study nutrition uh, because it's really interesting. Um, our high school actually offered one nutrition course as like a science elective, mm-hmm. and I loved science in general. And I thought I would be a doctor, and a lot of nutrition classes overlap. So you've microbios, your physics, and all of that sort of stuff. Um, you just have some more kind of applied science classes, which is kind of really like nutrition is an applied science, um, along with some other fun ones, like where you get to cook and stuff. And I love food. So that, that sounded like fun to me. Um, and then senior year, a lot of the people in my, um, in my major were, you know, getting ready to apply for dietetic internships, which is kind of the next step. And I really didn't want to take the GRE. So I was like, um, I guess I'll just do that too. <laughs> and so I applied to internships and ended up going to Tulane. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I don't know, I think about it and I think about like when I was um, younger and I was always looking up to you. The one thing that I always really appreciated was you were always super honest with yourself about where you wanted to go and the things you wanted to do. And you're like, okay, I don't know if I really want to do this, but I'm going to go for it. And I love that mentality and that perspective because 
I think a lot of people just get nervous about just going for it. And that's something you've always been able to do, even if it maybe didn't work out as planned, but you tried something new. Um, so I always really admired that. Well, thank you. And actually, um, like, I think four days before, so for the internship, it's a matching process. You apply to some different programs um, and you rate them and then they rate you and you get matched and it's crazy. Um, and probably like four days before the due date, you can reorder them until the due date. Um, I found the Tulane program and was like, okay, I'm going to go to New Orleans. I've never lived there. This sounds like a great idea. Um, and I had to like make a video for my application and everything. And I just like slapped it on there at number one and had never been there before. But yeah, it just felt like a good thing to try. And I, I decided this on a run. Actually, I skipped speed practice and went on like a very, very freezing cold run and yeah. um, thought through that and decided that was where I wanted to go. Oh, that's awesome. And did you like New Orleans? Um, so it took me a little bit of time, but New Orleans is like my favorite city in the whole entire world. Not that I've really been to a million different places, but the culture there is awesome. And it's so different from kind of like the uber competitive, fast paced, like New England culture. Um, it was really frustrating at first. And I also moved in August, which, um, don't, if you're from somewhere that's not hot, don't ever go anywhere on the Gulf in August. It it will make you cry. But um, I ended up loving it. I mean, they celebrate everything. It's just kind of a slower pace of life. And people really take time to just celebrate. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be anything. It can be Wednesday. And, you know, people are just like happy to be alive and happy that you're there and want you to be part of their family. And I love that. Oh, that's so cool. They Mardi Gras was recently, or was it a while ago? Mm -hmm. No, it was, it was of, last, last week was. Oh, good. Okay. I was afraid I was totally like off track there. I don't, I don't yeah, keep, that's it. like one holiday I don't keep up with. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so on, so you do have a blog, um, how to eat RD and I love that blog. And I think the reason I love the blog is because you tend to mix scientific information with, um, you know, kind of the backgrounds of nutrition and correct me if I'm wrong with that, but I feel like that's one thing we tend to get lost in is like the beliefs rather than the actual scientific information. Um, and on this blog, you mentioned that RDs have a unique set of skills um, that are completely, completely underutilized. Um, and what are some of these skills? I was interested in, in reading that. Yeah. So, I mean, I did counseling for about two and a half years. Um, and really people walk in there and they want you to tell them what to eat. Mm -hmm. And that is, that's not really what a dietitian is supposed to do, right? A dietitian is supposed to work very closely with the individual to figure out what their specific needs are both you know with like their medical conditions but also with other other stuff like their preferences the amount of time that they have to cook meals mm -hmm. like the stores that are around them that they can go to to get their ingredients at or the people in their family and trying to make all of these little pieces fit together and provide some ideas or like some inspiration so that that person can make the decisions that best suit their needs. And I think um, a lot of people walk into a nutrition counseling situation expecting to be told what to do and not really wanting to do the heavy lifting themselves with the dietitian there to kind of guide that process. Gotcha. Mm. Um, so it sounds very individualized then. 
Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah. So I guess in a way, is that a common misconception that people go in thinking that everybody gets the same plan? Is there, do you experience that at all? Or did you experience that at all? I don't know if people go in thinking that everybody gets the same plan, but I think they go in with the idea that you're going to tell them, yes, you can eat this. No, you can't eat this. And actually, yeah, yeah. Um, I gave a talk today at work Mm -hmm. and the audience was mainly nutrition students, which was interesting. And it was about intuitive eating Mm -hmm. um, and kind of how you really can't give those black and white rules to people because that's just never going to work. And it was interesting to me because, um, you know, these students, they're still learning, but I think they also are still kind of in that mindset where like my job is going to be to tell people what to eat. Mm -hmm. Um, And after really putting some time in and seeing how that doesn't work out for people, Mm -hmm. um, I kind of have a little bit of a different mindset. Mm. Oh, so that brings up a really interesting question that I love to hear is um, looking back, are I I know it's probably been a learning experience, but um, can you recall any times where I guess you, you did kind of tell people what to eat or in the past, like, have there been any situations that you've learned from? Hmm. Well, it's tough because when people do come in like very adamant about, I want to leave here with a meal plan. um, I would try, like, first of all, now I know it's not going to yeah. work, but even way back when it's very, it's very time consuming to sit down and make a, like mm-hmm. write up a meal plan with enough days in it that somebody could mm-hmm. possibly stick to it for more than like a week. Um, so I was always kind of hesitant to do something like that, but hmm, well, I mean, I think that there's probably situations where I like suggested this would be a good option instead of kind of giving people the freedom to choose that option. Um, There's nothing in particular, I think, that I can point to really specifically. Um, I think I probably used my fitness pal a little bit more than I would nowadays. I think it's a great tool for kind of gaining an understanding of what makes up different foods and like what that looks like in comparison to what you're getting now and just kind of like putting a lot of uh, information in context. But um, I definitely had some, some patients who used it like very, very heavily and were pretty reliant on it. And I think I would discourage that a little bit more now. So now, um, oh, Kelsey, did you have anything? No, I was just going to say, because there's so many, um, um, not like a battle or what are the words I want to, I don't even know the words I want to use, but like, there's so many different like aspects of um, that my fitness pal, like I've hear, heard people saying, oh, it's so beneficial. And then I've heard people saying, oh, it can really be like a, not a great tool for some yeah. people, but I guess it just depends on the personality it sounds like and like exactly what they're using it for. Um, so it's interesting to hear both sides of the, the coin with that, um, that tool, mm-hmm. I guess I could say. Mm-hmm. So individualized, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, right. Back yeah. to the scene, apparently. Well, now I'm really curious too. So, what does your current practice look like? Like, say I come in and I am a typical a typical client of yours. I know it's individual, but um, are there any tools that you go to? Because I know some dietitians use the three day recall, but um, for anyone listening that is going to be a dietitian in the future, are there like certain questions that you should be asking or worksheets that you pull out for your first um, consultation with a client? 
Um, yeah, definitely. And I actually don't do too much counseling myself um, right now, but um, I always start with a 24-hour recall or, or just kind of like what do you typically eat in a day, right? So you get like a general idea of what people eat. Because even though it varies day to day, we, you know, people are pretty habitual and they'll eat similar types of food. So you can get a good idea. Um, I'm not trying at, you know, at any time, am I going to like take that and be like, okay, let's estimate the calories. Because first of all, I'm just really trying to get a sense of the types of foods. And second of all, like people don't know what a half a cup looks like or what a cup looks like. I think that it's nearly impossible to get an accurate, um, like an accurate measurement of calories or protein or fat or carbohydrate or whatever from like, this is what I generally eat. Um, but I do think it helps you to gauge like, um, their decision-making process, um, what things they might be thinking about when they're trying to choose their foods. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can go from, you can go a lot of places from there, I think. So what do you do now, now that you're not counseling as much? Cause I, I follow Lauren's Instagram quite a bit because I think she has a stel- like a really killer job. I think it's super interesting. So Lauren, what, what do you do on your everyday life? <laughs> Oh, so many things. So my official title is the Director of Wellness and Sustainability at the University of Houston Dining Services. So that's a lot of stuff. Um, And it's kind of like, I break it into three different categories for myself when I think about it. Um, So I coordinate counseling. I don't do it myself. I actually have a student intern who is amazing and wonderful. She's getting her PhD and she is a dietitian and she does that. To be completely honest. And they're also like my best friends. It's it's awesome. Oh, what a great relationship. (laughs) I know. Um, And then like giving presentations on campus. Um, We actually have four campuses, but there's really only two that I do a lot of presentations at. Um, And, you know, like, being out and about on campus in like the dietitian kind of uh, roles. So whether it's, you know, presentations or like being at different events or things like that. So that's like the campus dietitian side of it. And then the food service dietitian side of it, which is like really just specific to dining would be planning like teaching kitchens for dining. So we have kids come and like learn how to cook stuff and like talk about nutrition during that. Yeah, it's really fun. Um, I think those sorts of experiential learning opportunities are really impactful, especially when, you know, people are on the verge of going from being fed every day to having to figure out how to do that for themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, I do some work with like local sourcing ingredients. Mm -hmm. Um, We highlight different food items in the dining hall. So I'll work with the chefs to like you know, come up with different menu items that we can use and that sort of thing. And then there's also, you know, like regulatory, like labeling stuff that I have to make sure is all right. Mm -hmm. Um, And then sustainability, which just kind of came with the job and I hadn't ever really done before, Um, but it's encompassing. um, I organize the farmer's market on campus. Um, We have, yeah, it's super fun. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It's one of my favorite parts and it's a little difficult in Houston um, because it's not a, super agricultural area of the country. Like there's not a lot of farms. Um, I actually looked up uh, Texas agriculture the other day, like the, the products and 
it was a pie chart and I think more than 50% was just cattle and vegetables were like this tiny, tiny, tiny little sliver, which is very different from New England. Yeah. Um, but it's fun. So that, and we have a hydroponic garden. Um, we are working on some landfill diversion. So recycling more and composting at the dining halls. Um, and really just kind of like talking about sustainability, uh, in however I can. So working with different uh, media, planning different events. We had earlier this week, this really cool event where um, I worked with a professor on campus who actually also went to UMass, Kelsey. Um, And she does research on edible insects, which is a really sustainable protein source. And we have a chef in town who won the James Beard Award last year who cooks with edible insects. So we brought all of this together and had this awesome thing and ate cricket tacos. Oh my gosh, that's so interesting. Wait, it's funny because I I feel like I just saw somewhere that they're now making like either protein bars or something Mm -hmm. with cricket, crickets or something, Mm -hmm. exo something. I don't even know the name of it. Yeah. Um, Oh, that's so funny. Oh my goodness. And so cool how... You know, you don't really think that, um, or I wouldn't have thought that a registered dietitian would be doing so much in terms of sustainability, which is really cool. And I saw your hydroponic um, lettuce plants, and those look beautiful, by the way. Mm -hmm. So um, I have to say, I totally just Googled you and creeped on your LinkedIn (laughs) during our conversation, of course, because I was curious, like, director of sustainability, and when you were talking, um, and we're just going to have to dive into this maybe after the show, but I'm also from Houston and I went to my first two years of undergrad. So I've also heard of Chartwells where you're working or Mm -hmm. the company that you work for. That's pretty neat. Um, But I had another question now because I noticed that you're also working on your master's in public health. Um, So I'm really curious what drew you to pursue that degree in addition to your work as an RD. Um, I kind of always was interested in public health and at, um, UMass, I actually double majored in it for a second before I realized like an undergraduate degree in public health is really very broad. Um, and I didn't think that the extra work, which I mean, nutrition is a, a heck of a lot of work for an undergrad degree. Um, I didn't think it would really benefit me. And I actually had a couple professors who had MPHs and told me that the master's degree in public health was also very broad and not necessarily something that I should pursue, but I still wanted to do it anyway. I don't know. It's in applied community health um, at the University of Texas in Houston. And I really like that. Um, I find that I, I find it really valuable when you can create community um, Mm. to support any sort of behavior change. So whether that's nutrition or some other Mm -hmm. sort of, you know, health factor, increasing activity or whatever, if you can build a community around that and kind of get something going that's bigger than the individual, it's much more effective. So I thought that, you know, masters of public health, applied community health, that would kind of give me some tools to be able to do that a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I, I like don't know much about public health, but I feel like it's a very well-rounded discipline. Mm-hmm. Like you can go a lot of different places in it. Um, so it's a really nice thing to kind of major in or focus in if you have an idea of what you want to do, but you're not entirely sure if it's exactly what you want to do. So I think that's pretty cool um, that you have that, you know, yeah. ex- aspect of it. 
it's like the wider lens of all of the health, I guess. At least I would say so. I'm doing my master's in public health right now as well. Oh, really? So, yeah, but I'm okay. kind of going the backwards way. I don't have my RD yet. I did nutrition as part of my undergrad, and now it's like, okay, do I want to actually get you know the dietitian? Do I want to go that route? Because it's obviously a lot of, um, well, a lot of work, but mm-hmm. it seems like it's worth it. So, and you're enjoying it, which is good. Um, well, you touched on something there that I really wanted to dive into. I know, Kelsey, we're kind of straying from our agenda, but I hope that's okay. <laughs> oh my God, totally. Um, okay. But you mentioned the value of community, and um, that's obviously something that's so important and what Strong Runner Chicks is built around. Um, I was curious to know, since you've moved across the country from New England to Houston, how has your um, community and running particularly developed and also just like forming a community as you you shifted where you were living? Um, Well, I would say that I really didn't have a running community in college. Like I started running there and I like randomly ran a marathon, but I trained on my own. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah. Literally (laughs) ran a marathon. Um, But I, yeah, I trained on my own. I had no idea what I was doing. And the first time I really had a running community was in New Orleans. So um, that was really, like, the first exposure I had to any sort of training beyond Hal Hickton, like, Googling by myself in my dorm room. Um, and Oh, Hal Higdon, like. I know. Cyber. Yeah. And Jack oh, yeah, Daniels. Totally. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and oh. so, yeah, my, my dog just joined me for the podcast, so hopefully he doesn't. Hello. We have a special guest. Yes. <laughs> Another one. He's a runner, too. Oh. He is. Um, <laughs> So yeah, in New Orleans, uh, there's an amazing shoe store, um, actually in Southeast Louisiana. Um, it's called Varsity Sports, and they had like a free training group. So, you know, there would be a track day. And then on Wednesdays, we all did this beer run from this bar called Happy's. And then there was a social run on Thursday, and we had uh, long runs on Saturday. Um, and when I got to New Orleans, I was training for Boston. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, this was the first time I ever did track workouts. And like, that was so much fun to me. Um, And like, it's just building community. Like you automatically know a bunch of people. And I think especially for someone coming right out of college, it's really interesting to be part of the running community because there's not many groups of people that like span so many different types of people and so many different age groups too. Mm -hmm. So like, and I mean, New Orleans, everybody wants you to be part of their family anyway, but yeah, you automatically had um, that that group of people, and they were teaching me a lot about running, um, and I got a lot faster there. So that was kind of my first running community experience. And then after that, I actually moved to Connecticut for like a little bit over a year, um, and I uh, ran with a USATF team um, out of Western Massachusetts, the Western Mass Distance Project. Shout out WMDP. Um, And that was awesome too. So that was kind of a little bit more competitive. Like I didn't have as many regular group runs with those people, but you have such a strong connection. Um, And a lot of those people were people I knew from when I, you know, grew up in Massachusetts or went to UMass. Um, And then the next time I moved to Texas, it took a little while actually because Houston is funny in that, like, there's not a really strong USATF presence here. 
So that like kind of club format that is everywhere in the Northeast isn't here as much, but there are groups and I was connected. Luckily I was connected with my friend Christy here in Houston from some of my New Orleans running friends. And I had a group of friends that I would run with at five o'clock every morning since like the first week I got here. And it's just really grown from there. Um, I'm kind of that person who like, you know, meets all the people and like my fiance Brooks who I moved here with like he you know he does his thing he's great he's super friendly but like I made all of our friends so <laughs> that's my job in the relationship I love but, it yeah runners are so accepting I mean I think you yeah. can just really show up anywhere and become friends was it crazy to you that in Houston especially in the summers you pretty much have to run at 5 a.m like you don't have a choice <laughs> yeah if you run, yeah. I'd say if you go outside anytime after 9 a.m. on a summer day, you're toast. So it's awful. Yeah. It's awful. <laughs> um, so, since this is kind of a shame, I don't know, shameless, selfish question, but you're a Houstonian now, kind of. I don't know if you consider yourself that, <laughs> but currently maybe. Um, what, um, what is your favorite running trail in Houston for anyone that visits or is listening, or even within Texas, like where you've traveled? Are there any must-go-to trails or parks to run at? Honestly, I'm pretty bad. And I do run trail races like fairly regularly. I'm on a team trail racing over Texas, which is kind of run by this company that um, puts on a bunch of races. Probably the coolest place I've run is Franklin Mountains in El Paso. Ooh. But in Houston, I don't really, I mean, I just love that we have so many paths and stuff. So if anyone listening is familiar with Houston, I live in the Heights. Um, which is this like kind of neighborhoody area. And we are so lucky to be connected with a bunch of different parts of the city by trails along the bayous. So basically if you're watching Hurricane Harvey and like they would zoo they would like go over everything that was totally underwater, like those were the bayous. They were once bayous and then they turned into oceans. Um, but there's pads on there. So like we can get downtown, we can get to Memorial Park, which is that famous mm -hmm. like three mile loop. That is yep. the most heavily run loop on Strava. Um, <laughs> Strava thought I lived there for a while, actually. It was like, is this oh, home? <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. that, that's pretty much. Yeah. So, oh. yeah. Um, well, um, I'm interested to visit Houston because I've heard since um, becoming friends with Megan, I've heard quite a bit about it because I know it's it's near and dear to her heart. She actually ran her first marathon there. Well, um, yeah, my parents living there, I think it is. True. But yeah. I'm still not really a Southerner. I'll never <laughs> admit to that. <laughs> um, so I kind of want to jump back a little bit to speaking a little bit more about um, your passions with um, being an RD and your a major focus of yours is a non-diet approach to healthy eating. And mm -hmm. I feel like that is a very big topic nowadays and something that needs to be talked about more. Um, and so I'm wondering if you'd mind, Lauren, speaking just a little bit more about this. Um, yeah, I definitely agree with you. And um, luckily, there are a lot more people kind of talking about it. A lot of dietitians who are getting really vocal about it in, you know, social media and other platforms. Um, but it's basically kind of shifting from the idea that we need to put food into categories like good food and bad food and, you know, follow certain 
guidelines or rules and rather kind of letting our body dictate what we want to eat. So you are born with an innate ability to know when you need to eat and when you need to stop and to, you know, get enough to fuel your body to be everything that it needs. Right. Um, but we have such a strong diet culture in the United States that a lot of people get really confused. Like stop and think for yourself. When did you stop? dictate what you were going to eat and when did you start like letting your brain tell you what you were supposed to eat mm-hmm. I can't even pinpoint that to be completely honest like the messages just start coming like you know as soon as you can understand language I feel like um somebody's saying something about what you should eat to be healthy and what you shouldn't eat you know um but I think people need to kind of learn to trust their body and trust that you know, after four days in the car on a road trip, you're probably going to want to eat some vegetables. You know, you're, it, you kind of have that innate ability to know what's right and what's good. Um, and that's not to say that nutrition education like has no place. I think it absolutely does. And there are things that nutrition can do to help you to get to your health goals and your performance goals. But, um, instead of looking at nutrition as a way to um, manipulate what your body looks like, using it as a way to just kind of enhance your life so that food brings joy um, and connection with other people um, and all those wonderful things that food can do. So what advice would you have for someone who's listening who um, really wants to find that joy within food again, within eating and try not to get so caught up in this diet mentality? Um, I think it's really hard, you know, um, especially I think in the running community uh, where disordered eating is so prevalent and a lot of times people equate certain body types with being fast. Um, But I think the most important thing that you can do is really start to pay attention to how eating makes you feel. You know, if you have a really well-balanced meal, like, how do you feel? If you overeat, how do you feel later? Like, does it make you less hungry for your next meal? Or, you know, how does it make you feel? Um, And starting to tune into that a little bit more. I think a lot of people don't do that. um, And that can be a problem. And sometimes people, um, sometimes people don't, don't think about how food makes them feel and eat junk all the time. And like, that's one sort of issue. And then sometimes people don't think about how food makes them feel and instead allow like rules that somebody else told them or like that the media told them to just kind of infiltrate their mind at all times of the day. And like, you have so many more important things to think about than like food or calories or, you know, grams of carbohydrate, unless you're trying to fuel a marathon, you know, optimally, in which case, like, that's totally cool. You need to make sure you get those grams of carbohydrate as you run down run down the street or whatever. But, um, I, you know, I think probably the best place for people to start is to find someone who knows about this stuff to talk to because that's what dietitians do, right? It's an individual thing. Yeah, no, that's really helpful. I think you had a lot of really, um, powerful points there. Um, and I, I really can see, 
the passion, like when you're talking about it, like, yeah, this makes sense. You know, it totally does. But it's like you said, it's so hard um, because we're influenced all the time. And that's so challenging. Um, so you mentioned a little bit there, um, but fueling for an active individual, how does the non-diet mentality play into that? Because I don't know about you guys, but I feel like sometimes after a long run, I'm either starving or I can't eat at all. Like, and then I'm like, well, I know I need to eat, but that's not really like intuitive. Like, you know, so there's always these like notions about that. So what, what are your maybe general advice for active fueling in, in a non-diet or active individuals in fueling in a non-diet mentality? Right. So, um, hunger is one piece of information that you have that you need to eat, but we have other things, you know, that we know we need to fuel for like a, a run or, you know, right after a run. Um, if you know that you're somebody that really here in Houston, especially in the summertime when it's hot, yeah. running can make you not want to eat anything, but if you're training hard, you, you know that you need to eat something. Mm -hmm. So that's another piece of information. And so maybe you're not hungry, but maybe you know that, okay, well, I just went and did a hard 18 miler and it was really hot out and I need to get something in. So you can use both of those pieces of information to help you make an appropriate decision. Um, I think, I do think, I mean, of course, I'm training for Boston right now, right? So I'm hungry all the time. And that really does help you kind of dictate, right? Um, but of course, there is some pre-planning that needs to go in. You know, make sure that you have food um, that is going to make you feel good available to you throughout your day. Um, I think that is a huge, huge piece for a lot of people. Um, and if we overlook kind of the planning and making sure that those um, good choices that are going to make you feel nourished and satisfied are available and you don't have anything, probably you're going to pick something that is not the best choice or won't, you know, won't keep you full. I think that's the biggest problem with a lot of snacks that you can get easily is they don't keep you full. Mm -hmm. Like think of anything in the vending machine. Mm -hmm. Not going to, not going to keep you full. It's like pretzels, candy. Animal crackers. Animal crackers are always in vending machines. Do you notice that? I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Anyways. <laughs> I don't know. Probably wouldn't keep me full though. Nope. Not yeah. at all. <laughs> but they taste great. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so what, um, so in regards to that, what are some snacks like that you like to munch on? Like how does being, um, super active? Cause I know you're training for Boston. Um, how does that interplay running and, um, fueling interplay in your life personally? So this is the first marathon I've ever trained for where I literally work inside of a dining hall. Um, <laughs> so I don't have to worry about it that much, which is great. Um, but um, I mean, it really depends, right? So I often run a, like hard workouts in the afternoon. And before those, I know that a carbohydrate based snack is going to feel best in my stomach. Um, and sometimes that's like a piece of toast or something, or sometimes it's some kind of bar. Um, dietitians tend to get like a lot of bars sent to them in the mail. So like I have some on the table here with me. I have, um, ha have you ever had the savory kind bars? No. So this yeah. is a roasted jalapeno one. It's really, really good. Really? Uh, yeah. I don't love that for right before track, but like, I think kind bars are one of, the few that actually will fill me up for a while and make me huh. feel good. Mm -hmm. um, but I tend to try to do some 
like some sort of protein with some sort of produce, which is really easy to do in a dining hall. But when I was working at a clinic and counseling all the time, string cheese and an apple is like the best. It works <laughs> so well. Um, so yeah, string cheese and an apple, like maybe some nuts and fruit or vegetables, hummus and veggies, like yogurt works really well. Dairy has like a good, a really good amount of protein in it. Um, I think sometimes people don't realize that. Um, but at the dining hall, like I can get a mini meal, which is yeah. great. <laughs> that works perfectly for you, huh? Mm -hmm. Um, so your next race is Boston. Like yeah tell tell us about that tell us how training has been going how you've been feeling because I know Boston has been on your radar for a few years now yeah I actually qualified for it after that first marathon during college and I ended up injured so I was in New Orleans and watching the race and like of course like the the gun goes off and you can tell right away that they're in Massachusetts and like I get teary-eyed like yeah. oh my gosh they're in Massachusetts I miss home <laughs> um and, you know, watching the elites finish. Who doesn't cry watching marathons? Come on. Every, every time. Oh, every damn time. It happens. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, and anyway, then, of sorry. course, that's okay. <laughs> that was my first year out of college. And being a Massachusetts native, like, everybody moves to Boston. And I remember I got, like, a frantic text message or call or something from one of my friends who had been down by the finish line, and that was the year of the bombing. Um so that was just like a whole different set of emotions. Um, and like, thank God I didn't end up going. I was supposed to stay at my friend's house in Watertown and do a rotation for my internship. Um, and she ended up being on lockdown for like three days as they searched for the, for, um, the bombers. Um, but yeah, ever since then, I, I just, didn't sign up for Boston. I've only run two other marathons since then because I had some injury issues. Um, but I decided that this was the year, mostly because I went and saw the Boston documentary last year that was playing in the movie theaters. Oh my gosh. So good. I went with my friend and we saw it in Fenway in Boston and it was like the people were crying and cheering. It was insane. Um, yeah, so good. Yeah, it was really good. And yeah, I went with one of my friends too. And everybody was like, so Lauren, are you going to, are you going to run Boston next year? And at that point I hadn't, I didn't have a qualifier. Um, cause I pulled out of the Houston marathon last year. Um, and I was like, no way you guys, like, there's no reason for me to run it next year. I'll just run it someday, whatever. Um, and then it was like, well, actually, like maybe it would be a good idea to go back for like a wedding shower or something. And like one of my bridesmaids lives in Boston and like one of my bridesmaids from new Orleans always runs it. And like, <laughs> up there. like maybe I should just do it. So I signed up for Vermont city like four weeks in advance and ran it three weeks after this other like 25 mile race that I ran. But, um, I decided to go for it. Um, and I'm really happy. I'm excited. Um, I've been really busy, so I haven't been as, like, just thinking about it all the time, but I've been really loving running lately, and running's been going really well for me, so I'm excited to see what I can do. 
I'm so excited for you. I'll be cheering from afar. I won't be there. I decided to pull out myself, but I'm really excited to see how things will go. You know, I'm going to text you like 800 times that uh, that week and just be like, how are you doing? What's going on? How are you feeling? So just warning you in advance. <laughs> I'm honestly kind of bummed to not be spectating it this year because it is going to be such an amazing so race. Good. Oh my gosh. So, so, oh, so yeah. good. It's ugh, the the leads are going to be amazing. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. excited for it. Mm-hmm. Oh, great! So, my friend Lauren, what is um in the future for Lauren Ross? Like, what do you see yourself doing, either RD wise, running wise? Personally, I know you have this kind of big event coming up, um, but yeah. what, is, what do you see? <laughs> well, so we're getting married in July. Um, and I don't know, honestly, I, I mean, my job right now is awesome. And I really like working at in like university food service, which I really never thought I would be a food service dietitian, but it's been super fun. But I'm kind of ready to leave Houston. Sorry, Megan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I, I mean, I left Houston, too. I was ready. So I don't blame you. <laughs> Yeah. I see mountains in the future. Yes. That's Uh, where we both are now. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Come to the mountains. Mm -hmm. It's worth it. It's the best. You're going to fall in love, Lauren. You're never going to, you're going to get sucked in. I'm in Utah. Kelsey's in Colorado, but Mm -hmm. yeah, not, not too shabby. Uh -uh. No, not too Uh -uh. bad. Um, and what's currently making you thrive? I know you mentioned like you've been loving running and I know you're super busy just based off of the texts we've had recently, but is there anything that's just making you super, super happy? I would say running, honestly, like, um, everything else can be pretty stressful and I'm very lucky that I have an awesome coach who, you know, like puts things on my calendar and I can stress, like, I don't have to stress about the hard workouts. I can just go and do them and then run easy on the other days. Um, but I've got some awesome friends to run with here in Houston. Um, a great group for track workouts on Mondays and, uh, some fun options for long runs on the weekends. And it's just been really exciting to string together such a long time without being seriously injured. (laughs) Um, that I'm really excited to see what I can do in Boston. So I I'd say that's, that's the biggest thing right now. I'm so excited for you. Oh my gosh. I cannot wait. Oh man. Um, so we usually follow or finish our interview with two questions that we ask all of our guests. Um, Megan, do you want to take the first one? Sure. Um, so what advice would you give to your younger self is what? Um, uh, just always be having fun. Mm-hmm. I like Definitely. it. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> sad. And um, secondly, uh, what does being a strong runner trick mean to you? I would kind of go back to the fun thing. I think that strong runner tricks are people who make big goals and pursue them while having more fun than everybody else, because it's not worth it if you aren't enjoying yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to also comment that that is so true to Lauren's personality, to be perfectly honest. I can remember when we would spend time together in uh, my freshman year of college and high school, 
I literally don't think I ever had more fun with anybody in my entire life. Um, she would take me to the dollar store and we'd get ribbons for our races. And we would go to the puppy pen and pet dogs. And then she'd take me for ice cream at Friendly's literally all the time. So oh, it was considerably, um, I think that's what's awesome about Lauren is that she's, you've got a personality, Lauren, that's fun. You know, people want to be around you and the whole making friends thing. Yep totally see that. So, um, Lauren, we want to thank you for taking your time tonight to speak with us. We really appreciate it. And we're so excited for all that life has, um, for you in the next few months. My goodness, super exciting stuff. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. Yeah. yeah Hopefully maybe a part two in the future. We'll get, we'll dive more into a few more details there. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Strong Runner Chicks, for listening in. Um, we hope you have a wonderful night, day, life, car ride, wherever you're listening to this. Um, and we appreciate you taking time out yeah. of your day to um, sit down with us. So um, we love you all, and thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Strong Runner Chicks Radio. Do us a favor and leave a review in iTunes to help spread awareness and foster the SRC community. Additionally, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Strong Run Chick.